And now, Peter Paul Mounds, Almond Joy, and Cadbury Chocolate Bars presents Alien Worlds. This is Lee Hansen. The next two episodes of Alien Worlds will not involve Star Lab or our friends in the ISA. This week, Alien Worlds pursues a new horizon. We're going to take you on a mystical journey through a science fiction fantasy adventure that explores the intergalactic origins of spiritual evil and how the inhabitants of the ancient planet of Alithia set out to neutralize that evil over 2,000 years ago. Here then are Olin Soule, Lorraine Tuttle, Rusi Taylor, and Roger Dressler in part one of our special presentation, Earthlight. Something silent fractures the Alithian midnight clouds, and they slowly puzzle apart, releasing the ghostly radiances of three white moons. Brilliant lunar light shimmers down onto Alithia's night side. Darkness dissolves as far north as the ion refineries at Lahelia, as far south as the Aviara Sun Tower complex, as far east as the Lusa Canal intersect, as far west as the domed windship port at Darmus. Huge cloud fragments break away and drift past the moons. There is a sudden eclipse of light, then the cloud fragments narrow to smoky splinters curl up into the fluorescent winds of the aurora sphere and vanish. The moonlight returns, intensifies, expands. It sweeps across the starflight complex at Kalava, illuminates the celestial laboratories at Somari, seeps down to the Penumbrian shadow forest and brightens the pyramid of Deus which rests at the forest's perimeter. A canal of dark water flows between the pyramid and the forest. Iridescent nova blossoms on the canal bottom sense the moonlight and rise to the surface, the translucent petals shimmering with color. Docked at the edge of the canal is a slender Alithian windship its triangular sails folded, its 30-foot-long transparent metal hull low in the water. The huge main chamber inside the pyramid is illuminated by the pale yellow flames of a hundred thick white candles. Moonlight streams in through the stained-glass sky windows at the chamber's peak. Delicately woven tapestries and intricate mosaics decorate the angled walls. Beneath the sky windows sits Deus, the father, Elithia's most highly evolved divine scientist. On the carved wooden table in front of him is an ancient voice book, its pages embossed with complex hieroglyphs. 
As he moves his fingertips over the hieroglyphs, the book voice tells him the future, reaffirming his dream about another expedition to the planet of Terra Lu. A beautiful woman is blinded by visions of immortality and falls to sleep in a flower field. A star machine floats down into the scented voids of summer. A child is born. A healer of spirits walks across the deep currents of a faraway sea. The suffering are comforted. The dying are healed. The dead are reborn. The healer of spirits ascends to the stars. Terra Lou sinks below the fiery horizons of an alien sun. Faces look up. The sky stands still. Terra Lou. So many expeditions. So little progress. So many of our sons and daughters lost. A thousand years, and it's just beginning. Deus? Ah, oh, come in and sit with me, Sibella. Have you seen the sky, Deus? The clouds are gone and the moons are out. It's a perfect night for star flying. Mm-hmm. The book said it would be. Has the book reaffirmed that we're returning to the Veda sector of Terra Lu? Yes, and it told me about the woman. Her name is Aram. She's young and strong and beautiful. And she's never known the Darkbringer virus. Elisha Ba had never known the virus either. Do they share the same blood? Yes. And because they do, the embryon child implanted in Elisha Ba during the last expedition and the embryon child of this expedition will share the times to come. <laughs> the times to come. How are things progressing at Kalava? The ship was moved to Dome 3 at sunset for fueling and ancillary pre-flight maintenance. Has Aram's embryon child been taken aboard? Yes. Lyria took him into the ship's nucleus chamber at moonrise. She's holding him in the secondary genesis tank while Karmas finishes refocusing the convection lenses on the primary. And what about Zuriel? Has he installed the new Paratron refractor? He's still working on it. He would have finished by now, but there was a technical setback. Oh? When Zuriel examined the new refractor, he found that two of the waveform links were flawed. There wasn't time to send it back to Suma Ray, so he's correcting the flaw with a series of Nimbus filters. Nimbus filters? I wasn't aware that such things existed. They didn't until now. Zuriel synthesized them in the Spectrum Laboratory in Dome 6. <laughs> Is this the beginning of a new era in Alithian technology? <laughs> well, Zuriel seems to think so. You know how he is when he does something especially inventive. Yes. Yes, I know. Deus. Hmm? When Aram's embryon child evolves to his final form and begins his work, will he be alone? He will at first. But eventually, there will be a multitude. How will it end? Tears, blood, a heart pierced with metal. And what will become of us? Will we return to Elithia? The book didn't know, Sibella, where the journey back should have been. There was only silence. 
Alien Worlds special presentation of Earthlight will continue. This woman's sorry for keeping you guessing. You never know what I'll do. That's why I'm here confessing. It's because sometimes I feel like a nut, sometimes I don't. presentation of Earthlight continues. Deus, was the book able to calculate the time lapse between our departure from Elithia tonight and our penetration of Terra Luz gravity veil? Yes. Eleven solar days, nine phenomenas. When will we make contact with Aram? Three phenomenas past sunrise on the morning of the twelfth day. She'll be alone in a field near her village gathering red and white flowers. Red and white? Blood and purity. Yes. The two elements that will haunt Aram to the end of her days. Well, it's getting late, Sibella. We'd better start for Kalava. As Deus and Sibella walk down the luminescent gemstone path leading to the canal, a swarm of fluorescent blue spider moths stream out of the shadow forest circle the canal's reflection of Olympia's three moons and streak away into the flower-scented night. Sibella and Deus board Sibella's windshield, move to the deep circular cockpit just behind the bow and settle into thickly cushioned contour seats. Between the two seats is a narrow transparent black systems console its surface glittering with multiple rows of brightly colored control prisms. Sibella touches three of them, interfacing the windship's guidance system with a central canal link encoder at Darmus, the huge domed windship port which lies 75 demivectors south of the pyramid. Your request for automatic guidance parameters has been received, Sibella. Your vessel will proceed from the Avatar Pyramid tributary through the Lusaw Canal intersect to the Taniel Imbria tributary arch. Automatic guidance will be terminated and manual control returned as you pass beneath the arch and approach the Kalava subcanal. Tiny moons fold open the windship's thin metal masts, releasing a quiet, magnetically generated wind which swells the translucent yellow sails. The small, graceful ship drifts out into the center of the canal, turns 45 degrees, and moves forward through the clean, clear water, Nova Blossom particles flaring in its wake. 
Deus, what is calorescent spectrocyte? I overheard Zuriel mention it to Karmas. Spectrocyte was the liquid light fuel that powered our first starships. We terminated its use long before you were born. Why? Wasn't it efficient? Yes, it was the perfect experimental fuel, Sabella. Efficient, highly unstable, and extremely dangerous. During the third expedition, we killed 9,000 inhabitants of Terra Lu with it. 9,000? Deus, what happened? An accident. A circuit malfunction caused a fuel bay hatch to open, and an armed spectrocyte fuel pod was ejected. The pod exploded on impact between two wilderness cities that stood near the shore of a dying inland sea. When Karmus and Lyria went down in a lander to look for survivors, all they found was a young female in the nearby hills. Was she alive? No. Spectrocyte radiation had transformed her into a pillar of white ionic stone. She stood like a statue, looking back at where the two cities had been. The perimeter of the shadow forest slowly fades into the night as the wing ship leaves the Avatar Pyramid tributary and sails out into the Lusar Canal intercept, the vast artificial lagoon where all of Elithia's equatorial waterways converge. Deus settles back in his seat, looks up at the three moons through half-closed eyes, and slowly wills himself into a memory trance. A chill surges through his body. The nuclei of his secondary blood cells divide, releasing the organically stored experiences of another time. Then a bright rushing sound only he can hear takes his mind 1,000 years into the past. Sunlight and warm winds touch his face. He glides over the sea of echoes in a small windship. In the bright, pale green distance is Reliva Island. On it stands the great white dome of Elithia's Exobionic Observatory. The observatory has been receiving and analyzing scan tracings from two drone flyers which are exploring the void of the nine worlds in the far galaxy of Sirisius. Both flyers have discovered something unexpected and ominous. Diabas, the observatory matriarch, is concerned. Have you confirmed it, Diavis? Yes. Sit here beside me, Deus. I'll transfer the visual data to the wall screen. An abstract three-dimensional scan pattern fluoresces onto the large triangular wall monitor and slowly becomes a geological image of multi-layered earth and volcanic rock. Embedded in one of the layers are the mummified bodies of three nude humanoid women Next to them are five black skeletons whose grotesque skulls resemble the heads of ebony gargoyles. Each skeleton lies against a secondary pattern of thin black bones, the bones of what were once large, bat-like wings. 
another world contaminated by Darkbringers. Is it a planet in this star system? No. It's in the Sirisius galaxy. Terra Lu, the only inhabited planet in the void of the Nine Worlds. Dronefly Receptus began transmitting these substrata images seven days ago. Was it a full-scale invasion? No. It was confined to a relatively small area near Terra Lu's equatorial meridian. When did it happen? Nineteen light eons ago. Just as Terra Lu was entering its third neuroevolution. They lived in caves, Andeos, and ate the flesh of things that crawled and flew. How large was the attack force? One Darkbringer Legion, probably an inquest unit. They invaded the cave settlement, killed the males and children, and then attacked the females. The same assault methods they used here, and on Anianus and Telluria. Why didn't the assault extend beyond that one area? The region was destroyed during the attack by a first magnitude strata convulsion and volcanic eruptions. An enormous chasm breached open, and the entire settlement collapsed into it. The Darkbringer Armada was probably in an observation orbit during the assault, but when they saw the instantaneous destruction of an entire legion, I think they became frightened and moved out into deep space. Yes, you're probably right. They always did become blind with confusion in the presence of unexpected planetary convulsions. Have the reproductive organs of the dead females been analyzed? Drone flyer Erebus transmitted its scanner analysis last night. The bodies of all three females contain traces of calcified Darkbringer insemination fluid. Have you received a retrospective survival projection? Yes. According to the residual bio-time scan from Drone Erebus, there were over 800 female survivors, all of them inseminated during the assault. None of their newborns had any physical Darkbringer characteristics, but they all emerged from their parent mothers, saturated with the Darkbringer anti-light virus. Has the virus evolved with them? This morning, from an orbital distance of 300 demovectors, Joan Septus hemoscanned the entire population of Terra Lu. It saw the virus in the blood and bone marrow of every male and female, regardless of tribe or age. And has the virus affected them in the same way it affected us? There are variations, even some resistance at first. But in time, the virus flourishes and the inner light grows dark. Without any evolutionary interference from us, how much longer will the virus control Terra Lu? A minimum of 500 centuries. But by the end of that time, the entire Sirius galaxy would be contaminated. There's only one choice, isn't there? Yes, an expedition. We know the inner light can be resurrected through induced evolution meditations. We proved that here. We proved it on Anianus and Telluria. Diavis, do you see any reason why our spirit magicians couldn't teach the meditations on Terra Lu? I see two reasons. The anti-light disease wasn't as advanced on those planets. And where Anianus and Telluria were both entering an age of radiance, when the invasions came, Terra Lu is still hyper-primitive and superstitious. It would be impossible to land ships there without terrifying. Our teachers will have to come to Terra Lu from within, not from without. 
embryons. Yes. Created from your blood and implanted in their female. It would take time. It would be difficult. It would be dangerous. But in the end, the virus would be neutralized. The light would be resurrected. And Terra Lou would no longer be divided against itself. Many expeditions. It would take time. So little progress. It would be difficult. So many of our sons and daughters lost. It would be dangerous. A thousand years. But in the end, the virus would be neutralized. The light would be resurrected. And Terra Lou would no longer be divided against itself. just remembering an old friend and a hundred other nights like this and a hundred other expeditions. So much time has passed. So many of Alithia's sons and daughters have been lost. A thousand years and it's just beginning. Alien World's special presentation of Earthlight will continue. Uh, pardon me. Isn't that a Cadbury chocolate bar? I've never tried one. Oh, that's too bad. Do you mind if I have a teensy piece? Hey, you took my bar. I'll just take a little bit. It was for my wife and me. Oh, she'll love it. See, this is great. You know you can get carried away with this stuff? Yes, I've noticed. Oh, come on, it's a big bar. It's getting smaller. When people get a taste of a big, thick Cadbury chocolate bar, they get very carried away. Because only a Cadbury bar is so rich, so creamy, so Cadbury. And with the big size Cadbury chocolate bar, you get a big choice. Cadbury fruit and nut, Cadbury almond, Cadbury caramello, and of course the big favorite, Cadbury milk chocolate. So remember, when you get your Cadbury, be careful. Because with Cadbury, people can get very carried away. Uh, can I have my Cadbury back now? Your Cadbury? Oh, well, I guess I got carried away. You'll get carried away with Cadbury. Alien World's special presentation of Earthlight continues. What did you do after the Darkbringers killed your parent, mother, and father? I escaped into the wilderness of Bas with a group of scientists and technical magicians from the city of Tialin. We thought we'd be safe there, but three days after the initial attack, Darkbringer annihilation squads began saturating the atmosphere and waterways with the virus. Eventually, we all became infected to some degree. The effects of the anti-light disease have never been described to me, Deus. What actually happens? It begins with an underlying discontent with the ceremonies and celebrations of life. Intelligence is corrupted. Emotion displaces logic. Imagination ceases to evolve. The ability to separate the symbols of existence from existence itself disappears. 
and so does the belief that all life is sacred. The effects are irresistible and inescapable, even in the unconscious sanctuaries of sleep. How long were you in the wilderness? 25 years. Do you know the story of Vershila? Oh, some, but not all of it. Vershila was a mantric high priest who came to us in the wilderness during our 25th year of exile. He told us he had cured himself of the anti-light disease through a series of induced evolution meditations. He had discovered the meditations in the Persana Utvalya Jewel, the ancient Alithian poem of creation. He taught us the meditations, and we healed ourselves. Then we went out from the wilderness and secretly taught the meditations throughout Alithia. And the revolution against the dark bringers began 50 years after that? Yes. Our technical magicians built secret subterranean laboratories where they created ships armed with powerful liquid light injectors. One year after our ships rose up against them, the Darkbringers abandoned Alithia and the Age of Radiance began. As the winged ship approaches the Tamil Imbria tributary arch, it passes a Sun Tower complex construction site on the lagoon's northern shore. Polished metal, saucer-shaped hover drones lower huge white Sun Tower obelisks onto thick pads of fluorescent synergite. Giant constructor tripods stand in front of the huge synergite blocks, their long, flexible arms coiled around the 400-foot-tall Sun Towers, guiding them into place. The complex is surrounded by multifaceted solar energy domes and power dispersion pyramids made of thick white crystal. Did you see Shiva today? Yes, we walked in the forest this morning. How does she feel about the new sun tower complex? It looks as though it's nearly finished. She's delighted with its progress. The iron refineries at Lahilia and the floral hatcheries at Vianatet are already drawing power from it. She estimates it'll be fully operational in another six days. We'll be halfway to Terra Lu in six days. Sibella, are you concerned that the book didn't know if we'd be coming back? What will become of Asteus if the ship should fall into a star? The prospect of death doesn't disturb you, does it? No. No, I thought not. Then... What does? Rebirth. Have you ever imagined what it would be like to be reborn on some other planet? One that wouldn't care about our secrets or understand our ecstasies or forgive our failures? There's no such planet, Sibella. Not in this universe. Earthlight was written by Ron Thompson and starred Olin Soleil as Deus, Rusi Taylor as Sibella, and Loreen Tuttle as Diabas. Associate producer, Ron Thompson. Engineer, Stu Jacobs. Music director, Tom Rounds. Assistant to the producer, Jim Cook. Technical consultant, Peter Skye. Alien Worlds was created, produced, and directed by Lee Hansen and was distributed by Watermark Incorporated. 
And so, until next week, this is Roger Dressler inviting you to join us for the conclusion of Earthlight from the elsewhere and elsewhen of Alien Worlds. Peter Paul and Cadbury Chocolate Bars hope you've enjoyed Alien Worlds.